Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Uh, we are down to 14 teams in the NHL as the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and, very shockingly, the Tampa Bay Lightning were both swept on Tuesday. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show, but we'll just cover the, the the games first. But we have some pre-show stuff. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, so I, I heard Gabe Kapler on WIP this morning. It was interesting because he was talking about a move he made uh, not bunting Michael Franco the other day. He's a third baseman for the Phillies. And the question was broached to him, since you're an analytics guy, can you talk about the analytics of it? And he said the numbers weren't important. And then he just talked about reasons and reasons well you know the ops the guy who was batting behind him he's hot so let him swing the bat yada yada if you are an analytics guy on an analytics team and you get an asked an analytics question you should back it up with with a analytics answer and numbers and everything else so people don't think that it's all just hocus pocus because it doesn't really aid to what you're doing when you avoid that part of the answer. And so like that I felt was a great disservice to the fan base because it's like, well, now you just sort of muddied up the, uh, the picture of it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, and like, like I told you before the show, um, I I've been reading a little bit of this book, uh, by Bob Clappish on the Yankees. Uh, I think it's called inside the empire, but I've just been reading it not, not memorizing the title. Um, but it goes into a lot of what happened last season with the Yankees with uh, Aaron Boone as more of an analytics-driven manager and revealed that he's fed the statistics by right. the analytics department, by the Yankees in the tunnel, and then he implements his decisions based on the analytics. So in a way, these managers aren't analytics uh, knowledgeable. They're analytics-driven. And that may be an excuse to them. I, to, in my mind, you know, I, I've I've cast my judgment on Gabe Kapler before he was hired as a manager of the Phillies. I used to listen to him uh, be a, a, a frequent guest on the Jim Rome show, and he's an idiot. He's a he's a he's a clown. He was at that point he was a co a color commentator for the Angels, I believe. You know, I, I I'm shocked that he got a, a job as a manager. But again, when you're being led by the nose by the numbers. Are you really a manager or are you just a stooge? I mean, uh, you're still a manager, but end of the day, if I'm going to be a manager and I am going to work with the analytics department, then I'm going to learn about the analytics so I can talk the talk. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is, or I'm not taking the job. And that's that's me. I know other people may feel differently. Also, one other thing. So with the shift, I saw something Mark Simon wrote it on Twitter. He's with The Athletic. and. I, I'm always interested in the shift because I don't believe it should exist in the way that it does. We used to see it back in the old days. You know, there was one for Klazuski. There was one for Dave Kingman. And every once in a while, there'd be a shift for a certain player. Now there's a shift every other at bat. The problem that I have is 
I don't think you should be able to go over more than one position. So if you're a third baseman, you shouldn't be able to go more than shortstop. If you're a second baseman, you shouldn't be able to go more than first or beyond short. I think this just goes past what the guys who, you know, invented the game basically were thinking about when they did it. And I also think that in a way it does hurt the game. And now if we want to talk about, you know, this era, like this is some of the great pitchers of the era, you have to bring the shift into it because that is what's killing a lot of, a lot of hits and average in this era. Yeah. And I mean, I made the point that there is a very easy way uh, for the shift to be um, adjusted to, but hitters, don't want to adjust to it. They're they're sort of locked in, like you yeah. said. Yeah, locked into the to one particular swing. And you know, we're not talking about ancient history when guys like Don Mattingly and Wade Boggs and Keith yeah. Hernandez and Derek Jeter would hit the opposite way. And if you're a left-handed batter and they're shifting everybody to the to the right side of second base, then drop a bunt or 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 hit one down the third base line. Yeah. After a while, they're not they're not going to shift because you proved you can hit the other way. You say that we say that. I don't know if that's entirely true because they're so married to it that I think you would have to beat it like three or four consecutive at bats before it happens, and no player has the guts to do it. Yeah. That's really the. I saw Brandon Nimmo's getting close, and he's actually squaring to bunt more than most to attempt that but yeah. he still didn't he still didn't make it happen so and you, and you don't have to be a great bunter if you huh. get it by the pitcher it's a base hit right and if you hit and if you bunt it correctly you probably get a double if you're right. not like ridiculously slow all right uh let me just and I'll, i won't go long on this and then we can start talking about the about the games last oh, long. I think that, that has to do with what you're talking about it's a pun of yeah, going ah, okay. Yeah, come on, Mike. You don't even realize you're brilliant sometimes. <laughs> well, most most misunderstood geniuses don't. Um, okay, I'm 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 a fan of the NFL. I'm a fan of the Bills. I look forward to the draft, even though the draft is fairly boring, and that's going to come up in a, in a little over a week. Um, I look forward to the games during the season, but I look forward to them more now to get to, to get get together with friends rather yeah. than like the game itself. Um, get your own car, pizza, and wings. Complain about it and see right. how the I understand the obsession with some fans about the NFL, but what I don't understand, and I understand the the need for radio stations to. Um, fill content to talk about things. But in the last week, the most inane, ridiculous, utterly stupid content on 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 radio, and I'm sure it's in every market in the NFL, is looking at and and trying to predict the NFL schedule, who's going to be the opener, who are the games going to be on Monday night and Thursday night. Can you Do you have lives? Because honestly, why would you waste a minute of it debating this crap? I, it, it, it does blow me away too because it's like, well, hold on. It's, it's a situation where you're talking about my team. I don't know what I took in the draft. I don't know who um, is going to be injured. I don't know a lot of what's going on yet in this upcoming season, and you're already predicting the schedule. It's like, stop. It's, yeah, I mean, it's I a mean, bridge too far. It's always been a bridge too far, but sports radio falls victim of that, and I don't think 
most fans want to hear it. I think there's a percentage, and I think it's just time filler, and I think they should come up with something more interesting. Maybe for a segment of five minutes, like saying, okay, who do you think the Bills are going to open with? Yeah, you know, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But to predict who's going to be on Thursday night or Monday night. Game, like, hey, who are the Bills going to open with? Hey, that game against the Jets, December 15th, that could be a really good game. Fine, yeah, but you don't need to start going through all the wins and losses that are not even going to be close. Well, when 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 the schedule comes out, you're analyzing how it lines up for the team. I get that. That's content that you can talk about for a couple hours. But right. to debate when the when the Bills are going to play the Dolphins or what yeah. games are going to be on network TV, get a life for Christ's sake. Okay. All right. Way to end on a positive note. Thanks. There, there you go. In this isn't in, in this season of religion, I I, I throw Christ's name into it. Um, Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, April seventeenth, twenty nineteen. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's talk about the two games that didn't eliminate teams. We'll do that first because we're going to go over do do sort of post mortem on uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins who were eliminated last night. Uh, first, the game that we watched, I think, throughout Russ, uh, Winnipeg and St. Louis. Uh, before the playoffs started, I said this could be the closest of the eight series, mm -hmm. and it has lived up to its billing because after St. Louis wins the first two at uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah, I agreed with you on that as far yeah. as closeness. Yeah, the jet the Jets came back and played really great in game th in game three. This was a really tight affair, but as the game went along, even after uh, Tarasenko scored the power play goal, I wasn't worried about the Jets not being able to tie up the game. They did, and they I think they dominated the last part of the third period. And then in the overtime, I thought they were the better team, and they win two two to one on a Kyle Connor goal. Um, no, I'm not saying that you know the Jets are going to now run the table, but right. they I, they have the advantage after coming back and winning two in St. Louis and going back home. Yeah, they were the better team there, but goaltending was great. Like Bennington was excellent. Mm -hmm. So was you know Clutter um, Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck. <laughs> yes. They were both really good, and so we just saw a more determined Jets team. I, I saw some very bad in-studio coverage with Keith Yandel, who in between every break, all he could basically say was, well, you know it's going to end on like a weird bounce or a funny bounce. And it's like, that is not analysis. Like, please show me some plays, circle some things, say boom if you have to, but at least show me something that ever was saying – the game's going to probably end on a freakish bounce because we all know that could happen. I that, that, that's the second most tired uh, take in the playoffs to remember that save because that might be the right. difference. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to criticize other people commentating on it, but, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I've seen some uh, broadcasts that uh, have left a lot to be desired, but I won't specify who or what. or no, what. I mean, I'll tell Keith Yandel, stick to hockey. That's fine. Right. Yes, I I agree. I have no problem doing that. Oh no no no, I, and and there are others others as well. I mean, M NBCSN. Can you get somebody who's not a former or current player who actually has an intelligent take? Because yeah. you know, I mean, uh, most most of your most of your in between period and analysis um, 
well, leaves a little to be desired. We're just looking anyway. for a little more. We're just looking for a little more. It's not too much to, you know, I heard these things in the 70s when I was growing up. I would hope that I get a little more nowadays. That's all. And I do get it on some broadcasts, but I'm just telling you the one I didn't. But as far as that series, this series has a long way to go. Uh, Bo Meester played a great game. I got to tell you, he's totally resurrected from the time we talked about him. Mm -hmm. Something clicked in at, you know, I want to say late really in the second half. And, and he's kept it going, and that's really helped him besides the goaltending, besides Tarasenko waking up, besides all those things. So well, I, it's a good series to still watch for sure. What I, what I was impressed with, and we'll talk about this with Peter next time he's on the show, which I, th I think is tomorrow. Um, the line that made the difference for me in that, I mean, obviously, you know, we, Wheeler, Connor, and Shifley is an incredible line, and the top line for the Blues are, are, is, is great as well. Um the line that I thought made a difference for a number of shifts was the fourth line for Winnipeg of Cop uh, and um, uh, Brandon Tanev uh, and and Adam Lowry. They, they you know they're they're good enough to play more than ten minutes. They yeah. commissioned bang and Tanev had a breakaway chance that he hit the that Bennington made a nice save on and they hit the crossbar. They got chances. They they were you know I think they're better than the Blues fourth line if it comes down to depth. That line could make a difference later in the series. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that could be a difference maker. Uh, Blake Wheeler had the game of his life yesterday. Like he blocked a shot. Looked like he could be hurt. I believe he scored a goal. I was getting my eyes were fluttering there for a while, but I think he scored right. Right. And and, and that was just a tremendous game for for Blake Wheeler. And boy, he you know he's come a long way. I put stuff up on Twitter about him getting traded around and such. And you know. I get why he left the Coyotes. Like, I don't know what the Coyotes offer was. Nobody ever found out. I don't think what that offer was, but clearly whatever the offer was, wasn't good enough for him to stay and stay with that team that I guess he felt like wasn't going to win. And then, you know, with the Bruins, you know, there's all kinds of different takes. I'm not going to get into it all, but he's really turned into a hell of a player. And my whole point about a lot of these players is, and we'll talk about it more when we get to Columbus is a lot of these guys, you may start them, at 20, 21, but it's really not until they're 24, 25 till you're starting to see their best play. Yeah. And the teams that stick with those guys the longest are the teams that really reap the rewards. Now, the other um, the other game, the other late game, which I saw some of, and then you know, it was not it was not much in doubt at, at the time that I basically uh, you know turned. <laughs> closed my eyes and went to sleep was uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and San Jose. And I have to say we've, and we not, you know, we're not a broken record here, but again, two goals on seven shots for Martin Jones, they yank them, they pull it, put in Aaron Dell. Um, I think the goaltending has killed San Jose, but I also think San Jose really hasn't played as, as good as a lot of people thought. Um, Carlson Russ, I think is, is a shadow of his former self. He's not, he must, he must still be injured because he did sit out, I think two or three weeks before the, we, had, and we talked about it before the play, playoff started and we were like, well, we're assuming that he's going to be at full strength. He looked okay heading into the playoffs, but now everything's ratcheted up in the playoffs and he doesn't look okay. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and you know, we we expected Flurry to be Flurry, and he yeah. hasn't, he hasn't had to stand, hasn't needed to stand on his head like he did last year. But I'll I'll tell you the the, the difference making line, and you you know we we again we talked about this before the 
before the playoffs was Stone, Pacioretty, and Stasny. Yeah. And, you know, they scored all six goals in the game uh, in game three. They were, again, really dominant uh, last night. And San Jose doesn't have an answer for it. I don't know if a lot of teams are going to have an answer for it. Those two, Stasny and Stone, I think, are two of the three top scorers in the playoffs right now. I only know this because they're on my fantasy team. But <laughs> – and I traded for Stasny. By the way, the guy who traded Stasny, Stasny to me this year, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, when you look at this team, it is the pickups were great. We were worried that, hey, Flurry might not be Flurry. He has been. Jones, I thought, could get it back, and he did get it back, and then he lost it again. And so I don't know if it's all on Jones, if it's a combination of the defense not being great and Jones, because I'll tell you, they've got some bad luck too. Last night, Aaron Dell went, to make this great glove save high, the puck carries out of his glove. It almost goes like, yeah, basically like a pinball return goes right to a player, goes right in the net. Like, what are the odds of that really happening? Like, you know, it's just those are the kinds of things that are happening to the Sharks right now. I don't know what's gonna, what it's going to take to get past that, and they may not. And again, I do want to preface any selections we make. Nobody gets them all right. We're not geniuses. Like, I got a guy on Facebook who's like. Well, you got the Islanders wrong. I'm like, yeah, I did. Get over it. Yeah. And I, tell you, I tell every fan for all these other things, we give you analysis. We make picks to make it interesting. I prefer to just give analysis, but I know why everybody wants to do predictions, and that's fine. We don't get them right most of the time. Tough luck. Yeah, of the two series that are completed, I think probably 95% of the experts out there are zero and one because yeah. everybody picked Tampa. Yeah. I, you know, of course, there's going to be the odd. Well, I, I picked Columbus. Right, oh, wonderful for you. It's like everybody yeah. like everybody likes to everybody likes to like, oh, you know, this team's got a chance. So let's throw, you know. But did anybody think that Tampa was going to lose to Columbus? No. Um, and I think it was probably a 50, 50 proposition when it came to the Islanders and Pittsburgh. I took Pittsburgh. I thought that they're uh, they're uh, you know their championship credentials were going to carry and that the, the Islanders were not going to be able to score a lot and they didn't score a lot, but Pittsburgh scored less. So yeah. let's, let's start with well, that. Here's the typical thing. So like Lord wrote, um, and I'm going to give you his quote. I did see one awful decor, but that wasn't Vegas as Russ told him. Vegas's defense is still not great guys. This is not all cured. Don't think, don't think their defense is, is completely cured. It's not. No, their defense is Mark Andre Fleury. That's yeah. what their defense is. They have players who skate in the defensive position, but they're not particularly great. I mean, they're they're good, they're competent, but they're not great. They're they're, they're oh. not they're not as good as as other playoffs team playoff teams blue lines are. So that is definitely the chink in their armor. But they have a, the guy between the pipes who can stone the other team. So that's that's worth its weight in gold. Now, okay, start with Islanders in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, the Islanders. Uh, I mean, it was a two to one game for most of the uh, most of the third period, and then the Islanders scored the empty netter to to ice it away. Um, I'm a, like I said, I picked Pittsburgh. I'm a little surprised at the lack of. I mean, really, Crosby was not impactful in this entire series. Matt Murray was, I think, average at best. Um, there was a, you know, I mean, I thought Malkin, you could see he was trying, but there was, there was not a lot of success in the offensive chances that, that the Penguins had. And in the end, the Islanders, they out hit them. They out goaltended them. 
Yep. They outscored them, so they deserve the credit. They and they and they advanced to the second round. No, just what do you think about the Islanders? Then we'll look at the Penguins. I mean, the Islanders dominated them. I mean, that was something where I thought the Penguins could raise their level. I get that people saw the flaws in the Penguins, like like many of us did in the regular season. But sometimes teams can get past those flaws. Just look at the Toronto Maple Leafs as an example right now. So I thought the guys, some of the guys on the Penguins, could raise their level. They didn't. So then their flaws on defense did show. So then Matt Murray did have a little bit harder time because the shots were just coming fast and furious and they were getting in on him quickly. So that does make a difference. The Islanders, you know, some unheralded guys, like I was on with Scott Lachlan today, and, you know, he asked me about the, you know, Pelic and and uh, Pulak. And that's really been a great pairing. And actually, Pulak really doesn't get credit for his defense or the aggression slash physicality that I always – no, knew that he had in his game because he's got a hundred mile an hour slap shot. And Pellick's that guy, you know, both of them are big. Both of them skate really well. Nobody talks about Pellick because he does a good job. He's one of those guys that you're not really going to talk about him for any other reason, but he does a good job. Mayfield, I've talked about a lot because I, you know, I've covered him a lot. So that's, that one's been a bit obvious, but again, Robin Leonard has helped immeasurably. And I don't know if Lou Lemerell knew when he signed Robin Leonard that he was getting this Robin Leonard. So that's worked out great. That's made everybody look smarter. Barry Trotz looks smarter. And Trotz has done a great job. I mean, again, we've talked about it when Mayfield told me early in the season what their game plan was. They've stuck to it, and it's worked. I thought they'd run out of gas. There were definitely some games where they were wobbly a little bit, but Pittsburgh just couldn't do anything about it. They never had enough time and space. The Islanders took it all away. Jordan Eberle is now sort of woken up to the point where he was maybe two, three years ago as he sniffs a new contract. Um, and, and that's really helped, too, because – Brock Nelson has done well, too. Brock Nelson has stepped up, too. Both those guys are in their contract year, yeah. and now they are putting out in the playoffs. The bad part for the Islanders is they are going to have to have quick negotiations with these guys to see what they're going to do with them because they're, you know, well, they're not going to be easy signs, I don't think. Eberle's always been a clutch player internationally, like in the World Junior, yeah. things of that nature, and he never really has had a chance in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs until this opportunity, and he's shown that he's a clutch player once again. Um, I have to say, because there were a lot of fans in Buffalo who were bemoaning the fact that Leonard had such a great year, you have to realize that the Robin Leonard that's playing right now is not the same Robin Leonard that was in Buffalo. If he was, right. it stayed in Buffalo, there's no way, unless Barry Trotz had been this hired. the Robin Leonard we saw for a year or two in Ottawa and then it went away. Yeah, but it was off and on. It was it was, right. never, it was never consistent because right. Ottawa's defense wasn't that good either. And right. he was young and immature. And you right. know, I mean he had sort of I mean and you you saw you saw Pittsburgh try to get under his skin yesterday too. Uh I think it was Hornquist, you know, started and they started slashing each other. They were I mean they were trying to get trying to get uh Leonard to lose his composure and he didn't. Um, so that, that was the, the, you know, the last straw when it came to him, but okay, let's, let's, let's switch to the penguins because, um, first I, I don't perceive a, a chance that they fire Sullivan. No. So I don't think there's going to be a change. I know we talked about at some point this year, we sort of shot it down and rightly so. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's going to be a change in goal. You know, Matt Murray is what? No. 24 years old and has won two Stanley Cups. So I, I don't think that there's going to be a change there. Looking at their defense, Russ, Latang, Schultz, Dumoulin, Gabranson, Jack Johnson, all under contract. Same with Olimata, who ended the year on injured reserve uh, or injured, excuse me. Uh, Pedersen is a restricted free agent. 
Yeah, I think they'll sign Pedersen, though. Yeah, they will. Um, but I, I think this is an area because you know, Dumoulin was hurt at the end of the year and came back for the playoffs and did not play particularly well when he was when he was in there. This is an area where I think that they're going to need to upgrade. No question. Uh, first thing I would do would be to just salary dump out Olimata. He he's not the same player. He had his moment. Maybe he'll do better with another team. He looks pretty terrible. Just salary dump him out, get anything you can for him, a draft pick, whatever, and move on and, and get the cap savings. Uh, move out Phil Kessel, same thing. He's got a reasonable number. Somebody will take him. Yeah. They've got to make make a savings there. Don't get rid of Malkin. Then they're not going to do well, that. And, and you know, I, 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 like that is is ridiculous because then you're talking about like you know, like you said to me off air. Your next guy is Nick Bukestad, possibly as your number two center. Like, come on. This is this is this this is the same argument. We'll talk about the Leafs a little bit later. This is the same argument in terms that that's being made over the last few days about not trading Nazem Kadri when you're coming in Toronto. The one advantage that this team had or has is their center depth. And if you look yeah. at the organizational depth past Tavares, Matthews, and Kadri. It's virtually nil. It's Freddie Gauthier and you know Adam Brooks with the Marlies, but they're not they're not a deep organization in terms of players up the middle. William Nylander can't play up the middle according to Babcock, and 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 Patrick Marlowe is forty years old, so it does not make any sense for the Leafs to trade Nazem Kadri, especially when his value may be lower because of two suspensions and two playoffs. Uh, in the Pittsburgh case. Why in the hell would you trade Malkin? I mean, you can trade Kessel now. Kessel is coming off a great regular season. He's still young enough where he can he can score. Um, he's got three years left at six point eight million dollars, which compared to other wingers is a pretty reasonable price. He's been somebody who's, I mean, he's played I think ever since the shoulder injury when he joined the Leafs in like two thousand nine or two thousand ten. He's played every game, so he's durable. Kessel makes the most sense. Plus, yep. Gensel's contract kicks into into gear next year, so that's right. that's an additional like six million dollars. Um, with even with the cap going up, they're not going to have a ton of cap space. So I could very easily see, see Phil Kessel traded. Yeah, no question. I could see that too. And then they have to do a few other things because it's not like they have a lot coming up from the farm. That's the there's going to be a little bit of a gap now with Penguins from the farm to the big club or farm to table, however you want to put it. And and so they're going to have to be interesting moves that they make. They're going to have to be very thrifty. They're going to have to possibly trade draft picks to get what they want. They're going to have some signing money because if you can get rid of Kessel, you can get rid of Mata and the cap goes up. You'll be able to get a couple players. And then you'll see. I mean, again, it, it, it's not a guarantee because – we're not even talking about all four lines being strong anymore. We're not. So this is the window is is rapidly closing on this team until we see otherwise. And and you can't really start. You know you can't really depend. I mean they traded Sprong. Yep. Um. You know they brought in Pedersen, so he's a younger defenseman. And he's been he's played pretty well for them, so that was a fairly equal trade. But your your window is whatever years are left where Crosby and Malkin are elite. So right. I think it's still a while, but what I what I can envision happening with this team if they don't make the right moves in the offseason, then that's not on Rutherford. At this point, this is a hard thing for anybody to do, right. as you know. Uh, they might have to take a step back like Chicago and get a really good draft pick this year and then 
go at it again the year after. Like that may be what ends up happening. But as an example, nobody in last year's draft is going to help him this year. Nobody in the year before his draft is going to help him next year, rather. Next year. Gustafson might have, but guess what? Gustafson, you know, is in Ottawa now. So they don't really have anybody. Casper Borquist, they didn't sign him. Is he going back to Providence? He might. He looked good. I've seen him. But chances are he's not helping him. So, you know, Dominic Simone is already helping him and Sprung. Like that's, you know, we've gone back now to the 2015 draft. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, some players still might develop out of that. They have a few others, but nobody who's going to help them next year. So right now, that's where the talent gap is for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so right now, it's not looking great for them. Yeah, I think the only young piece that they could probably trade to the, in, in, in a deal that would bring back something is if somebody believes that Tristan Jarry can be a number one goaltender in the NHL. Uh, and that, you know, I don't know if anybody believes that, and maybe they think he can be a number two, but I mean, they have Murray and they have Casey DeSmith, but you have to worry about Murray's lack of, of durability and needing another goaltender just in case because he, he gets hurt every single year. So, yeah. uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I think there'll be some changes. I don't think there'll be tweaking moves. I, I, you know, I think it will be Kessel that'll be dealt. And I, I've said this, you know, many times before. If I had to pick a place where Kessel was going to get traded, it would probably be Arizona mm-hmm. because Rick Tockett was the Kessel whisperer in Pittsburgh as an assistant right. coach. And, um, you know, I, they need consistent scoring and somebody with their injury history that's that's durable and Kessel is durable. So th- I, I right. think he would be a good fit in Arizona. Um Okay. Play golf. Like, if there's no mistake. Yeah. He can play golf every day. That's the thing. He'll love it there. Um, now the 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 stunning, uh, you know, Columbus and Tampa Bay. I mean, we knew this was coming because Columbus was up three nothing. But um, you know, Tampa showed a little bit of fight in that game. But when it came down to it, and Bobrovsky made some really big saves in the third period, and I, I think that you know the analysis is pretty correct that Columbus sort of physically dominated uh, Tampa Bay later in this series. Tampa was wounded by uh, some injuries. I mean, Hedman clearly wasn't right from the very beginning of the series. Neither was Strawman. But those are excuses. This is a team that was the President's Trophy winner. This is a team that won 62 victories. Nobody thought. Nobody picked Columbus. No one. And, uh, and I agree. Yeah, and Tampa and Tampa, I think after that first period in game one, where they're up three nothing, they thought it was gonna be easy. They 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 let the guard down. Columbus came back and won that game. And then we as we saw Russ in game two on Friday, they get down one nothing, they get down two nothing, and all of a sudden they're like, uh oh, we're we're in trouble here. Yep. And they never re, they never regained footing in that series. So right now, I, I give full marks again to Yarmo Kekalainen. I know you raised your hand when you still don't like what they did, but they when I asked it on the question on Twitter, who would raise their hand and say they don't like what he did? But you know what? I still support it. They, it was rough going, but they made the playoffs. Now they got passed around, which yep. is something they've never done in the history of the uh, team, True. which was big for the fan base, big for attendance, big for revenue. Because yep. now they get another round of playoff revenue. Those things were massive. And the fact that they are loaded with prospects meant that they could do it. Texier is a great example. They've thrown him in now, and he's going to be around for the next 10 years. So, And he's an excellent skater, man. That guy can skate, and he's got a great stick and puck control. Great pick. They have a lot of picks like that. So we got to give Bob credit, 
Bob really played his ass off. He made some amazing saves late in that game yesterday. That was great. We um, we have to give credit to some of the guys that they did get. It took a little while, but they did finally gel, and and that was big too. We also um, – I want to give credit to Oliver Borkstrand. Again, another guy who was a tremendous scorer in junior. Tremendous. Took a little while in the NHL. Smaller guy. Had to get stronger. Maybe even had to get faster. Did all those things. Now at the age of 24, had 23 goals this year. Now he's starting to win games, starting to have a clutch ability to, to put some games in, put, put some big goals in like Jason Zucker. The patient teams that wait for guys like this get rewarded. Yeah, he he made up for the the drop and play of Wenberg, who yeah. you know just completely disappeared this year and yeah, took, he fell off the map. Yeah, took a big step back, and you know he's, I you know he he I don't even know if he's a black ace right now. I'm not sure where he is right now. I haven't heard his name mentioned in, in weeks. Um, but but, about that, but I, the big things for me on Tampa is they've got three guys they've got to get rid of on defense. I don't know all their salary situation, but. Braden Coburn's got to go. Dan Girardi's got to go. Uh, who's the third I'm thinking of? Uh, Anton Strawman. Well, here, Strawman. Here, 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 here are the salaries. Strawman is a four-five. He's a UFA. Coburn three-seven. Girardi three. And Jan Ruda, who they picked up as a depth guy at the deadline, was two and a quarter. Yeah, he might stay. That's fine. Whatever. Well, I mean, but yeah, but I mean, only at a significantly less salary. Right. Now, this is this is the thing, and and you know, I know that there was some criticism out there about you know them potentially firing John Cooper. It's not happening. I, I'm sorry if it, if it does, I will be absolutely stunned. You really, you know, you really can't fire him. I mean, if they start off the year bad next year, okay. But you just signed him to a contract extension, and he just had sixty-two wins. I mean, I you can't. You I know, would fire him. I know you would. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. Because we saw early on in the series what Quartz's game plan was going to be, and it was going to be to be physical, annoy them, get in their kitchen, and they had no answer for it. They didn't skate faster to skate around it. They didn't try and tough their way out of it. They didn't do anything. Cooper didn't do anything. Tell me, that, you know, again, we talked about the players that didn't score. I get it. But tell me what adjustments John Cooper made in this series that made a difference. He didn't do anything. Well, I mean, the, pro the problem is I don't know what he could do with the line. That was a pure skill team. Sorry, let me just hang this up. I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll give you one example of what I would do. During a timeout. I would look at guys like Stamkos, and I'd be like, you know what, Steve? I know it's not your game. Go out there and hit a guy in the mouth. We need to do that right now because we've lost our mojo, and we've got to do something. And that started in the first game when they were up 3 nothing. They thought they were going to coast and win that game, and not only did they not win that game, they didn't win the series. They lost the series probably in that game. Now it's crazy, it's crazy to think about with a team like that, as good as they are, that they may have lost the game, that they lost the series when they were up three nothing in the first game. In that game, may have cost them the whole series, but I think it did. Now they have crash and bang guys. They have guys who will play physically, mm -hmm. you know, like Callan, who's an older guy. But JT Miller can play that way. JT Miller, Kalorn does, Gore yeah. does to an extent, or Adam Ernie. But 
uh, you know, I think Columbus was a bigger team. They were definitely playing a more aggressive style. They didn't, re they didn't react to it well. And and they never, they never recovered. Um, well, why was Callahan sitting those first couple of games? Was he hurt? I mean, I he's, been hurt. he's been hurt the last couple of years. So, I mean, I, wouldn't I, don't doubt I don't know if he was hurt for those games. Then all of a sudden, you know, they did pop him in when they were losing the physical battle, but they probably figured we don't need Ryan Callahan. Right. And, Based on the fact they were up three nothing in game one, at that point they didn't. But then they let that they let that big team, you know, back in in that game. They lost that game and then lost the momentum. I mean, I just I, I you know I don't think they will fire Cooper. I don't think that that's the move. That's you know post game. Yes, I did. He said it would be a blemish on the great year they had. A blemish, really. That's it? In his mind, it's a blemish? I don't know what you're going to say. I mean, did you see this? I'll tell you what I would say. Wait, wait. Did you see the statement that the Lightning released, like, soon after the loss? It was like, I don't think it was, you know, Julian Brisebois who wrote it. It was the PR department. It was mm -hmm. it was sort of pap. It was just like, you know, I mean, nobody wants to hear that. You'd be almost be better off not to not write a statement and let let the GM and let the coach and let oh. the players talk at locker clean out rather than make a statement and release a statement to the press. I agree. I'm just saying right now, if you want to talk about with this team, I look at John Cooper and it, and I would say blemish is not the word. No. More than a blemish. We were embarrassed. Say it. We were embarrassed. We had higher expectations. We failed. I didn't hear Cooper say any of that because he's very stubborn and he's had a good regular season record, but they're on the same downswing that the Rangers got on after they made it to the Stanley Cup. And they even got back to the conference finals again, but then McDonough hurt his foot and they didn't, right? They're on a similar, they're on a similar roller coaster right now. They are. Yeah, but I think okay, we knew that there were going to be changes with the Lightning after this season, whether they won the cup or whether they got swept in the first round. Now they got swept in the first round, so I think they the moves that they will make will be, I think, more determinative of the direction they're going to go in next year. Now we talked about the three defensemen. If you look at what their defense is going to be like next year, it'll be Hedman, it'll be McDonough, Sergachev Evans in the final year of his ELC. They have Eric Cernak, who's been a pretty good. He's been, good. He's been really good. Pretty good discovery, and as a bottom pairing guy, he's a lot better than Andre Schuster. So, oh, you know, so, so maybe they bring one of those three veteran guys, but they could they could move away from all three of them, and we and we, we know that Cal Foot, who's pl who played in Syracuse this year, might be ready to make the jump to the NHL after two years or a little over, actually about a year and a quarter in the in the uh, in the American Hockey League. So. I think that they'll be out on the lookout for another defenseman, maybe via trade. And that's where I think you're going to see Ryan Callahan probably moved out in the final year of his contract with teams looking for um, to get to the cap floor. A team like the Rangers might be a perfect fit for that. Um, unless they go out and they go out in free agency and go after Carlson and Panarin and, and don't have the room. Right. But we talked about this all year. They're, you know, they're going to have to resign. Braden Point and probably guys like Palat or Tyler Johnson or Kalorn uh, are going to get moved. Yanni Gord's new contract kicks in, and Point's probably going to make in the neighborhood of what Stamp goes and what uh, Kucherov, whose contract is kicking in next year, are going to make. So they're going to have to make tough decisions and tough. Okay. 
let's make some tough decisions. Let's go over the time on the ice. So Callahan got 938. Do you think they should have maybe early in that game played a guy like Callahan a lot because he does play a greasy, effective game? Maybe. Um, Sorelli got 21 minutes. Clearly, that's one of his favorites. He had some shorthanded goals this year. He yep. is fast. So he's got the Cooper right there. That's that's where a guy's playing favorites. Because Matthew Joseph, who's just as fast, if not faster, played eight minutes. Right. So you go start looking at some of these guys. JT Miller played nine minutes. So it's like you've already shown. Now there you go. There. JT Miller is somebody they signed for five and a quarter million dollars. If he's going to play eight minutes, then you're probably more likely to trade that. If, if you're choosing between Tyler Johnson and JT Miller to trade, and you're factoring in Cooper's usage of the player, it's JT Miller you're going to trade and not Johnson. And Paquette played 10 minutes. So obviously he's gone too. Well, no, I mean he's only a million dollar player, so he's not he's not big money, so they'll, they'll probably keep him around. But you know they they're going to have to move out probably two salaries to to yeah. accommodate Braden Point getting re-signed. And by the way, so game before, you know Adam already played; he had three shots. He was an even guy. Where again, there were a lot of other guys. Stamkos was a minus. He got nine minutes. If you're not going to play a guy real minutes, then don't play him. Play somebody else. If you're going to play somebody, you know, it's like – but I will say this. That game was a 3-1 game, and the minutes were a lot well, lot, a lot better distributed. This game, they weren't, and that's panic. And I'm telling you right now, John Cooper panicked in this game. He pulled the goalie very early. I don't care what the final score is because that's – you know, there were a bunch of – couple of empty netters. But this was a poorly coached game. It really was. It was a poorly played game. But it was yeah. also a poorly coached game. And, and again, on defense, mm -hmm. Ryan McDonough didn't do well, but he got loaded down with minutes. He played 23 minutes in the two games ago. And let's see how many he played yesterday. And he's been less effective as the series went on. Like, we saw that. It's craziness. I mean, this no. is why I don't care if I gave the coach an extension. I'll have him be a scout for me or something else. Or maybe he'll get another job and I won't have to pay him anything. But he's not coaching my team anymore. Because okay. You think you think he should be fired? Do, but yes. But do you think he will be? I think there's a chance. Yeah. I, I, Last game, right? Ryan McDonough played twenty four thirty five. He was a minus four. You can't play Ryan McDonough twenty four minutes. I'm sorry. There uh, is a limit. You had to because you didn't have Hedman. He was your number one defenseman. And Cernak so played 23 and a half minutes. Like, come on. So gotcha had 18 minutes. Like yeah. he could have played a couple more minutes. Roots is 17 minutes. I'm sorry. He didn't, he didn't have much option with, with Hedman and Strawman out. That's what I'm saying. Well, then he should have worked in other players during the year, or he should have come up with a different solution because this solution wasn't a good solution. Well, they weren't. See, that's the thing. They weren't prepared for things to go wrong because nothing oh. went wrong during the season. They weren't prepared. There was no backup plan. Right, because sure. because plan A worked so well. Nobody, I mean, nobody in their right mind thought they were going to lose to Columbus, let alone get swept. So, I mean, I you know, I mean, do I think he he faces a lot of criticism, a lot of second guessing? Sure. Do I think he's going to get fired? No, cuz it, it just it you know, I I don't think it's solely the contract extension. I think it's the fact that the guy, you know, they, they were the most successful team in recent memory during the regular season and just crapped out in the playoffs. It was but a they have problems. They have cap problems. 
they have player personnel problems. Is this, got, is this something that you think Steve Eisenman bailed on a year early because he knew this was happening? No, no, no. I think, I think that was all personal. And, and look, he's still there. We don't know what's going to happen in July. Right now, he's still a part of the franchise, but just not in the same role. I think you look at these guys on defense, and those three guys that I mentioned have to go. And you've got to replace them with faster, better talent. That's not going to be easy. Then you're going to have to manage the cap because you've, you know, you've paid Kucherov. You're going to have to pay point. Now you're going to have to trade Tyler Johnson. You're going to have to work in other guys. They have other guys. We've talked about some of their other guys. But the problem is, I don't know if the mix of guys is right now. They got a lot of Cooper guys. Cooper hockey isn't winning like it used to, Mike. And that's where you have to look at this as an owner and say, John Cooper, are you going to change the way you're doing this? Because if you're going to continue to play these same kinds of guys and get me the same results, I can't have you coach for me. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, they're going to have internally guys like Foot, Volkoff, Mitchell Stevens, Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk. They're going to have these guys coming up through the organization along with the young guys that they have like, uh, you know, uh, like Sorelli uh, and like Matthew Joseph. So, I mean, there's going to be a natural evolution uh, with that team because they're so deep and talented. They traded away defensemen over the years, Slater Cuckoo. You know, they traded them away and kept these older guys, these older Rangers, Flyers guys, yeah. and they didn't do it. because Right, because they thought this was the way – they were going to make a run for the cup with experienced guys. And I know that some you know, people were pointing out, you know, this team had no Stanley cup winning experience. You had guys who were in the Stanley cup final. You had guys like McDonough and Callahan and star McDonough and Girardi. So, I mean, I think that's a little bit over and Strawman. I think it was a little overstated, but you can say also Maybe Julian Breezebois deserves a little bit of uh, fault for this because they didn't mess with this lineup at the deadline. They didn't make any kind of additions when they had an opportunity to. Yeah, sometimes you you know the '94 Rangers definitely had overkill as far as how many trades they made, and even I, as a fan, felt like they went too far. But it worked for them. You can make that argument. I think that's a fair argument. I did. We do have breaking news. I mean, it's not massive, but I did get an email with all the King Clancy guys. Oh, yeah. Let me go on the list real quick. Okay. I think it's it's worthy of, of doing. So uh, for Anaheim, Cam Fowler, for the Coyotes, OEL, for the Bruins, Chara, for the Sabres, Eichel, for the Flames, Giordano, for, for Carolina, it's Falk, for the um, Blackhawks, it's Crawford, Landis Cog for Colorado, Felino for uh, Columbus, Klingberg for Dallas, Howard for Detroit, Dreisaitl for the Oilers, Luongo for Florida, Foley for L.A. Let me, let me do the second half. Yep, Zucker for uh, Minnesota, yep. and Domi for the uh, Habs. Okay, uh, Nashville, Packer Rene, New Jersey, Kyle Palmieri, the Islanders, Anders Lee, Henrik Lundqvist for the Rangers, Mark Borvieski for uh, his insightful uh, broadcasting of the uh, Eugene Melnick press conference for Ottawa, uh, Claude Giroux for Philadelphia, Matt Murray for Pittsburgh, Brendan Dillon for San Jose, Ryan O'Reilly for uh, St. Louis, Ryan Callahan for Tampa Bay, Zach Hyman for Toronto, uh, Alex Edler, Vancouver, Derek England, Vegas, Tom Wilson, Washington. <laughs> that's, and, great. That's, 
that's hilarious. And and uh, Brian Little for for Winnipeg. Think about this because the King Clancy is the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice that has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution. Now, is Wilson a leader? Yes, but there's other things he does on the ice that may you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Oscar Sundquist and Zach Aston Reese will quibble about his uh, uh, his uh, uh, contri contributions to humanity because they're human, and he almost killed them on the ice. So, okay, um, three games tonight. Uh, Flames Avalanche. Avalanche are up uh, two games to one. Uh, question marks about the Flames goaltending still persist. Uh, this will be a big game if the Flames can win. They tie it 2-2 going back to Calgary. Uh, Predators up 2-1, game four in Dallas. Um, again, Dallas needs to win at home to even the series. Uh, pretty close series. Again, this is one I haven't watched a lot, but I'll probably get a little bit more of a chance to watch it uh, tonight because there's only one game competing against it, and that one game, is Toronto and Boston game four. And Russ, I said before we held, before we started, and I'll say it here and I'll say it in my uh, blog later on on Hockey Buzz, if Toronto wins this game, I think they'll win the series. And if they lose this game, I think they'll lose the series because they uh, lose it. It's 2-2 going back to Boston for game five. I think Boston's going to try to do what they did in game two and play a lot more physically um, they're going to probably have to hope that the referees don't call uh, as many uh, ticky-tack calls as they did in game three. Um, if they can get away with their physicality, then they'll have the advantage on Toronto, who did not react well to it in game two. Um, Toronto played the game that they played in game one and game three using speed, stretch passes, etc. Freddie Anderson played really well. Um, but they're going to need to limit – the Bergeron line, which they've done for the most part in the first three games, they broke. They they did a break out in game two when Cassidy was in was able to get uh, Bergeron away from Tavares. Tavares will be on Bergeron like white on rice in game four. So if if that if they win that matchup, the Leafs have a good chance at winning this game. But I you know if it goes two two back to Boston, I, I I fall back on my prediction in the series that Boston eventually will win. Yeah, Johansson and John Moore back in. That's that's big for the Bruins. Uh, that definitely helps the bottom pair strengthen up a bit. So that's that's and, and we talked about it. That's a place that's definitely a problem for them. And now I'm going to just give you meaningless analysis. Well, the Bruins just come out there and they punch them in the mouth and they slow down the Leafs, they'll win this game, Mike. They just have to get the right bounces. They just have to play the right way. They just – is that good? Yeah. Okay. Good generalities. I like that. Yeah. No, I mean, end of the day, the Bruins really do need to um, do something about the Leaf speed. If you remember, when we talked about – even though I thought the Bruins would win the series, I did talk about how to counter that, and that was with the Leafs – just outskating them. And so far that's worked. And that still could work for the Leafs because again, Chara's not getting any younger. And if they keep piling minutes on Chara, that could be a, a, a potential disaster. Now that they've got more in there, that, that's going to help them a little bit. But the Bruins need more contributions too from some of their secondary scoring. They do. Well, I mean, honestly, the secondary scoring hasn't been the problem. They got they've gotten two goals out of goals out of Charlie Coyle, right? Um, that's been good. You're right. You know, they they've had some offense out of DeBrusque and Krejci. 
Uh, the problem secondary scoring anymore. Brooks is a is a top guy for them. He right. Is. I mean, he's on the top power play, but he's on the second line. The, but honestly, the problem the problem has been is that the top line that killed the Leafs last year, and I think they had thirty points in in seven games. They have six points through three games. They've been limited, and to the point that Cassidy, if if they can't shake loose today, might move. Pasternak down to the second line with Krejci, break him up and try to you know, break out offensively and create better matchups. I mean, it's it, it is a key thing for the Bruins to shake that top line loose. And I mean, but Marshawn's a point of game. Bergeron's got two goals, so those guys are not killing him. Uh, Krejci is killing him. He's only got one point, one goal. Pasternak so, got an assist. Yeah, yeah. Pasternak definitely could use to step up. McAvoy doesn't have a point. He needs to step up. But, again, he is 21 years old. Like, again, there's only so much you can do with a 21-year-old when you start piling on a lot of responsibility. But, again, if we start looking at some of the other players, like, as an example, I'll tell you a guy who is on my fantasy team, but I don't know why he's still in the lineup for the Bruins, Joaquin Nordstrom. He's not scoring a point. He's never scoring a point. We seem to probably get it tonight. But he had 12 points all year. Yeah, he's a fourth-line checker. That's all he is. Right. But at some point, when you need more than that, maybe he shouldn't play. Well, you know, just, just as mean, an example. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, is that, and I'm not saying that the, the reason that the Bruins are down in the series is because of injuries, but a guy, a guy like Corrali, who was a pretty good bottom six forward for them hasn't been available to them and you know camphor and clifton on the bottom pairing you know played essentially 10 minutes a night so if they can get 10 quality minutes out of more that'll be an upgrade for them uh I, what i was surprised at is in game three after taking that big hit from uh from muzzin tory krug led them with 24 minutes yeah. And I think you know, ideally, they probably didn't want, wouldn't want Tory Crew to play 24 minutes, but and probably um, lob more of the minutes on Carlo McAvoy and uh, and Chara. But okay, so here's a good example. So with McAvoy, Krug, and Chara, you've got two points. It's got to be better than that. It's the playoffs. It yeah. has to be better than that. This isn't like 1975 where. Bobby Orr does all your scoring. Well, not 75, 72. Where Bobby Orr does all your scoring and the other guys don't need to score. No, everybody needs to chip in. They're not chipping in. Now, if the Bruins do come out physically as they did in game two, the Leafs have to have a better response. If they, you know, if they do not, you know, if they, they do get punched in the nose, as we said, you know, they need to respond better than they did in game two, which was they cowered in the corner. They really did not respond at all. And, you know, one of the reasons why Kadri ended up uh, losing it in the third period is because he was really the only guy that was sort of fighting But him and Zach Hyman were the only guys that were sort of fighting back against what the Bruins were doing. Well, thing came to mind. Remember when I got ripped for saying that I think Grizzlick's a really good player and, you know, somebody in the chat would rip me. He's got two points. He's got two more points than McAvoy right now. Just saying. Yeah, but McAvoy's a better defender. I mean, I like. We all know that. I like Grizzlick. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, and Bill C just said Kevin Miller's out for the playoffs. That really hurts if that's the case. Oh yeah, he. I, I believe. I mean, they, they've. They, he hasn't skated in any of the before any of the three games, yeah. and they uh -huh. haven't. They haven't been specific in terms of his status. So it sounds like it's an injury that uh, is going to prevent him from playing. Where's the magic from Bruce Cassidy? We saw it last year. Now this year he's a little more challenged. There's some injuries. Char is a year older. Yeah. And and uh Bergeron can't bail them out forever. 
And they're taking apparently they're taking Carson Kuhlman out of the lineup tonight for Johansson. That means Backus is still in. So that would lead me to believe that they're going to play a more physical game because Backus is the guy. I think he had 10 hits in game two. So um, I said the point in two games. You know what? At this point in this Toronto series, I think you do have to play David Backus. I do, do think they need that little extra physical play. And he he did put up a point. Right now, they need every point they can get. No. And Freddie Anderson has been good. I don't think he's been impenetrable, though. No, I think he's been solid, and he's made the save when he need, needed to. I think – I mean, Toronto, obvi- honestly, they need the power play to keep doing what they what they did in game three. They got two goals. Um, they need somebody other than Tavares and Marner to score, what Matthews did, but it was on the power play. They got something from the fourth line. They're – Achilles heel is the third line is terrible, especially with William Nylander playing center. He, he's not good at the middle. Um, I think he's more of a winger and he's more of a complimentary guy, but they have no choice because, because Kadri is out and defensively the Jake Gardner is nowhere close to being the same guy he was before the oh. injury. He only played 14 minutes on Monday. He doesn't look like the same player. He's tentative out there. He's trying to avoid hits. You know, I just I, he takes one big hit. I bet you veteran body out there right now. Like that's really yeah, I mean, yeah, and that that's all you really can ask if he's debilitated. But yeah. one good hit from somebody, and it's probably you're going to see either Kali Rosen or Martin Marinson in the lineup. And if it's Marinson, hide the women and children. Um, okay, yeah. all right, we'll uh, we'll stop there. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll oh, yes, I told people I'd answer questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. questions are fine. Cool. If, I don't know what, what your schedule is like. All right. Let's see. Um, I'm really busy. <laughs> I mean, I'm busy too, but I uh, know these, you know, they got questions. Cool. Uh, first one is actually, Peter asked me, how impossible is it to get Jets Bills tickets on 9 8 19? I said, I don't think it's impossible, but I think it'll be hard. Uh, in right. Or in New York? I think that one's in New York. Well, they have they released the schedule? I don't think it's out yet. I thought it was today. Yeah, so they said this, this tonight, not this. Well, night. sometimes things get leaked. Well, yeah, yeah. If, if I mean, like, if yeah, they're like certain things are sent out there, and then all of a sudden it, it comes out in drips and drabs. So yeah, if it, if it, if that's the opener, which usually nine eight would, it's usually around Labor Day, and that's usually yeah. beginning of September. So that might be the second game. Nicholas asked, um, "What if?" The Penguins somehow kept Ryan Reeves. Would he have been able to jumpstart him? Nah, it, it was really more about the defense and the fact that the forwards had to play so much defense that they weren't as good offensively either, and the Islanders took away their time and space. Although I'd like to have seen Ryan Reeves be on that, on that team in the conference final last year or in the uh, – Sorry, in the second round against Washington because I don't think Wilson would have had as much of an impact as Reeves would have been there to – discourage him lord wants to know where jan is i don't know where jan is go find him on twitter there you go um he wants to pick on his picks too uh jason asked would alex edler be a good fit for the flyers yeah he would be and Vigneault definitely made edler better but i don't know if he's leaving vancouver no. but that's certainly somebody that chuck fletcher should inquire about i think i think that's you're right uh only if you can get rid of andrew mcdonald's contract yeah, let's see. Also, a question for Mike. Gosta Spear for Kadri. Flyers get a second-line center. Toronto gets help on the back end. Mike, you doing that trade? No. I'm not either. If I'm if I'm 
the Leafs. The Leafs can't, you know, it's not that Gostasur is not a good get there. The problem is the Leafs don't have an answer for losing Kadri. And to yeah. go out on the market and get somebody like that is going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah, and if you say Nylander, Babcock does not like Nylander playing center. He doesn't no. believe in him. If he plays a 40-year-old slowing Patrick Marlowe up the middle instead of William Nylander, that tells you he will never play him at center when if he absolutely unless he absolutely has to. Now Vepsis is trolling and he said, How's a possible team with Jack Johnson and Cabranson struggles defensively? And look, end of the day, that was the best they could do. And to be honest, Cabranson played pretty well. Yeah. Johnson has not played well. We didn't like the Jack Johnson pickup. I don't understand it to this day. It is what it is. And it's just a bad pickup. It was a if it was a two-year deal, okay, fine. He's a veteran guy like Girardi, two years, three million per. It was a five-year deal. Yeah. Is it because he's Sidney Crosby's best buddy? Because you know, we've always heard that they were they were really good friends. I don't know if they're hit the same agent or whatever. Now, Thomas, get this. Thomas is saying, as an Islander fan, I'm hoping the Leafs win because we don't match up well against the Bruins. If, if the Leafs get to the next round, you don't want to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. You really don't. They're not. It's not going to recede if the and the Islanders win. They play the winner of Carolina, Washington. So right. you'd have to get through the Caps. And the Leafs would have to get through the Bruins and the right. Jackets. I, I, let's just say I'm not going to go down that road. That's that's no, it's a long road. But if they did match up against them, you don't want that. I would rather play the Bruins than the Leafs because yeah. there's still two guys on the with well, three guys: Marner, Tavares, and Matthews. That in any series could beat your team. And I honestly would like to see the difference in the reaction of the fans at Barclays in a conference final instead of Nassau. I bet you it would not be as loud and boisterous. Yeah. The Penguins do have – Jason asked that the Penguins still have some assets. They do, but they're like two, three years away. They've drafted well the last couple of years, but none of these guys are ready. They've traded away the other guys that were ready for the guys that you just talked about. All right. Shut it down. Okay. All right. Good show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for listening and watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.